Welcome to The Truth in This Art. Um, this is our, our second installment of The Truth in This Art podcasting in place. And the place today, we're here at um, your, your studio. We're here at Quirky's studio. Um, and I'm here with Remarkable Quirky. I'm Rob Lee, by the way. Here with the Remarkable Quirky, a Baltimore-based artist. Um, just your second time on here? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think we first did it about maybe two years ago, maybe three yeah, it's getting it up there. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, I'm getting up there. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're here with the sort of visual component this time. The previous installment, uh, I think it was 2021, previous installment, it was only the audio portion, right? Yes. So we've been uh, mistaken for each other multiple times, so now you guys can see that we're the same person, just I'm, with different hats. I'm the, I'm the shorter one. <laughs> this, is, this is true. This I'm is more true. concentrated. <laughs> I am all over the place. <laughs> um, so, so thank you again for, for coming on no and, and no making problem. the time. Um, you're definitely one of the people that I admire in the city and seeing sort of your growth in here um, and just kind of being, as I like to say, in on the ground floor early in the game. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I did, but I didn't see it that way. I was always producing stuff This people didn't notice. Now people are noticing and my life's changed. Yeah. So I'm thankful for it. And thank you for having us here, like being around so much of this this great work, seeing sort of this trajectory over what these these years that I've been aware of you. Mm -hmm. And you were touching on before we got started, sort of your black and white series. And I see a bit of these pieces here, and I see yeah. other stuff as well. That's really great. Oh, well, yeah. I, I, I treat my art like my relationship. So usually when I come in the house, I say, honey, what you want to do? <laughs> and she'll we'll sculpt, we'll paint. We'll work on a website, she'll tell me what to do, and I just follow the lead. I look at being a podcaster, which I've been for 14 years at this point, I look at it as my most stable relationships. Oh, hands <laughs> down. Oh, my God. It's like a puppy always happy to see you. Like, hey, what do you want to do today? It's no drama, no stress. It's beautiful. And I can just mute the audio. I was kidding. No, no. That's terrible. That's terrible. No, no. She wakes me up and says, you got to go paint. Yeah. So. But I get the, the most fulfillment out of it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so in this second interview, uh, I want to reflect on, you know, some of the changes since we did that initial kind of like, you know, what's happened over the last few years. Mm -hmm. But I want to tap back in and maybe a, a rephrasing of a question I previously asked, but we're doing it in a different way. Let's talk about some of those like early influences, like that kind of helped shape that your oh. path. And um, as an artist. Yeah. As an artist and as, as a person. Ross. Yeah. Bob Ross. Bob Ross was my drug when I was a kid, hands down. It was like, oh, it was just so calming, so peaceful, unlike my childhood, which is somebody I could just go to, and he'll do something amazing in no time, or Chuck Jones. Chuck Jones was, hands down, my favorite animator on Looney Tunes, and to see how he executed and did things, I would study it, especially Bob. And if you haven't, check out the Netflix special, Bob Ross, it is amazing, and it's so tragic. But um, yeah, they were my early influences. As I got older, it's just, I didn't see anything when I was a child other than Bob Ross or uh, Norman Rockwell in libraries. So I gravitated towards those. And that was my early influences, hands down. So if, if one were to look at it, because you know, I've done a lot of audio, listen to a lot of, I haven't done anything, listen to a lot of audio books, right? Mm -hmm. and, one that always pops up is the, the Austin Kleon like books, you know, still like an artist and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And he's like, when people say they're influenced, he's like, he's like, it's gentleman theft. 
Oh, no, no. And I would never steal from Bob. <laughs> like, I know the guy, like, or this Norman Rockwell. It's just, I've, I like the way they, how they made people feel special mm-hmm. and invoked emotions and sometimes, but especially with Norman Rockwell and his pieces. And I, I, I admire that. I haven't hit that goal yet, but that wasn't my goal when I found my own voice. It was just something I wanted to do differently. So when, so in some of your recent work, can you like kind of trace that thread back to when I was growing up or an earlier experience in your life that maybe shows up in your work, your recent work or, your, or even more most current work? And I ask that because people ask me, when did you stop podcasting? When you started doing this? Mm-hmm. The first time that I oh, picked up. when I started painting, seriously? Yeah. When I lost uh, my daughter. Um, I came up here pretty much to Northern Virginia to hit reset and to to deal with the loss, you know, you find outlets and people can either take drugs, drink, and I think I went to a paint and sip one time when I was dating this young lady and I fell in love with just painting because I'd done 3D animation computer graphics for 20 plus years, but to feel that peace of mind that serenity while I'm painting, nothing else mattered. There was no bills, there was no stress at home, the car worked fine. I was just happy in those moments, so I wanted to increase that time as much as humanly possible. So to paint now, if you see me producing a lot of work, most likely I'm hurting. But um, to be at a point right now where I can paint and also make a living of what I'm doing, it's beautiful, I love it. I love it very dearly. It's it's great. I, I go back and doing this as long as I had in the whole stable relationship thing, right? Mm-hmm. I remember at one point where it was the the most, I, I won't say crippling, but it was a bad time, you know, like uh, depression-wise. And mm-hmm. uh, I just remember I was doing a lot of podcasts. Like at one point, I produced five podcasts a week. Yeah. And I was just staying busy. Yep. And um, my, my brother's one of my bigger fans, if not biggest fan, you know, shout out to little brothers, shout out to Rudy. And he'd, he'd mentioned, he was like, yo, there's a lot going on in these interviews and you're being personal, but people aren't going to get it nope. because they don't know you that well. Exactly. He's like, but I do. He's like, is everything good? Just to, to sort of check in, you know? Well, yeah, I usually as a, a crutch, 100%. It helps me get through the days, makes my life easier. And I, I can't stop now. I just... I feel better when I do it. Like, as soon as you guys leave, most likely I'm going to start a piece. It's like, <laughs> just to deal with the anxiety of doing this uh, interview like this. But yeah, I, it's the best therapy possibly, hands down. I love it. It's great. Yeah. So, in, in sort of the, the spiel, the, the chat GPT search, when I was looking at <laughs> like you up yet again, I, I, see, I see Afrofuturism popping up, right? Yes. So, I... This is maybe putting you on the spot, but how do you define Afrofuturism? To have a life before colonialism, to omit that of out of my history, where I'm or my people are allowed to grow without interruption, mm. without somebody saying, "Well, I don't like what you're doing. Come forcibly work for me," or just to have that life to live unjudged and unbound by somebody else's limitations. That's what I think it is. And that's, you know, thematically, that's coming up in your work pretty regularly. Most definitely. But it's not the main focus of my work. Um, It just so happened that I do think about these moments of time. What 
what would happen if I were to live a life unbound by the constraints of being in the United States. And yeah. I would I'd love that. I just fantasize about it sometimes. And I mean, that's like in the, the definitions I've, I've heard of it, I like yours the most. Oh, okay. Because I, I find like when I ask folks, they're very restrictive and they have a very specific point of view on it. And it leans to like sci-fi, but yours was broader. That's just like, it's just you know, kind of like freedom almost. Yeah, yeah. because if, if you're allowed to just grow, without somebody or a group of people bombing you and killing you and stuff like that just to grow freely, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. What would be more technology, tech technology, hmm, messing up. Technologically? Technologically, the advanced people or more of a spiritual people, but just allow it to grow. And when I'm here, I feel I'm allowed to grow. Um, I love, love, I keep saying I love Baltimore, but I do because back home where I'm from, in Virginia Beach, to have my voice amplified wouldn't happen unless I'm painting ducks and beach scenes and stuff like that. Or since the 700 Club is there and your Christian Wright is there, unless I'm painting something like that, it's not gonna happen. Here, I was able to amplify my voice here. And mm -hmm. Baltimore is amazing. I'm waiting for the duck series though. The duck? The duck series, yeah. You know, it's painting ducks in Virginia. I'm waiting for you to bring that here. Ducks? Yeah. What are you talking about? Huh? Are you not going to do ducks? Why would I do ducks? I don't know. I just want to see. I <laughs> could. The duck series. Like, but no, I have, uh, I have ideas and thoughts that I like to experiment with. Mm -hmm. And I have no, I had nothing against ducks. <laughs> but no, that was a curveball. Yeah. But, I like, uh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was good. I like <laughs> So. Delve, delve into your, your artistic process, what have you. Let's just use ducks as a reference now. Okay. <laughs> delve, delve into your artistic process. Like, you know, what are some of those signatures or those elements that you're like, this, this satisfies me? This is what I'm, I'm doing, this well, certain element or this style? Well, what I've been doing as of late is I've been building 3D models of everything I paint. I build my own reference images. So when you look at my work, they seem to have more depth. What I've previously noticed, most people of color are, it's very flat, very 2D. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I like it, but I wanted something that had real depth, like it's almost coming out at you. So the lines and stuff I've been doing as of late helps illustrate the flow of the curvature of the body and the angles and everything, and just gets more dimension to it. But now I'm getting into more of a uh, depth of feel, blurring of edges and backgrounds to give that depth. So I'm constantly playing with um, dimension in my paintings to give it just such a, a basis mm -hmm. that I think most people uh, work doesn't have. I would love to see more of it. I've seen some, like if I go to some of the big museums, um, in the city that they have these uh, Parisian paintings and these European paintings and they have these lines of depth of field going through it and it looks amazing. Yeah. But I still don't see it with most people of color so I just wanted to bring that to the table. But I want to also do it in a minimalist way that black and white, how much can I communicate to the audience? Is I guess it's like, would I like my woman in a negligee or just my t-shirt. I prefer the t-shirt. It doesn't have to be overly Mr. Teed yeah. with gold and stuff. Right. Just simple, clean communication. So 
in color, you know, you're touching on that, and you know, like I, you know, we're touching on earlier with, you know, mm -hmm. sort of the, the black and white and that, that monochromatic space, and then as I see some images, you start having color in there. When or to what considerations are you making when you're thinking of? I think this color will hit in this way, or is this the symbolism for this particular color in this particular piece? Or when to even add like color outside of black and the white midtones and such? It depends on the mood I'm in that day. Yeah. Like if I'm in a, a drab, melancholy mood, most likely it's black and white and that type of feel. But um, when I do venture into color, it's a beautiful thing. I enjoy it. I enjoy all aspects of art. So to add color to a piece and get it to pop or just sing like I want, I'm happy when it happens, but most of the time it doesn't. So I'm like, well, I just want to communicate this is what I want to communicate. Does it need anything else? And I just pull back. It's, I've seen a lot of people throw everything on a canvas, and it doesn't communicate any better than what it was if it was just black and white. Mm. So I just choose to stop. That's, that's sort of like one of those considerations I'm looking for. It's like at the root of it, what am I trying to accomplish? Yes. And, and I think sort of visualization helps like considerably when I'm unsure about something yeah. of do I need to add this element here? Should I bring a photographer here to have the visual component? Should it be a video thing where it's like what I'm doing at its root is facilitating someone sharing their story. However I choose to do that mm -hmm. is how I choose to do it. I know that generally I don't do it in writing. I generally lean towards audio. That's what I know and that's what I know best. But being able to to dabble into other things, like obviously this is a video, like podcast video experience, right? And that's, that's kind of like when you were describing that sort of use of color, that's the way I'm thinking of it. Like this makes, for me at least, makes a little bit more sense to do it visually to add sort of the imagery of your space in this, I mm -hmm. think adds a layer to it well, versus, yeah, so. you know, the the audio experience is a layer in a certain way. Well, you can see how ugly I am on camera too. So <laughs> that's usually the case. <laughs> Look man, I put on so much oil and lotion after that shower this morning. Oh, no, 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 no. Because no, of no, the no, camera? No, 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 no. I, I wasn't too concerned. It's just, eh, I'm, I'm, I'm too set in my ways and happy you really can give a crap. It's just, this is hands down the happiest time in my life. And I hate to admit it, but yeah, being by yourself and just focusing on your work is a beautiful, beautiful life. Yeah, that's... So, you, you, were, you were talking about it earlier that you're probably gonna work on some stuff after we leave, oh, right? Yeah. So, what is, what is that, that common feeling? Because, you know, as a person that's emotionally stunted, I've been told. <laughs> what well, is that common emotion like that leads up to like I, I have the desire to work on something like I got a feeling I want to work through? Oh, this I guess it's an endorphin hit, hands down. I mean, I really feel like oh my god, this is going to be a good day, and it cheers me up beyond anything else. It's just it puts me in the right mindset. I I don't feel at my best unless I can communicate visually what I'm trying to say. Me talking. Worst communicator. I'm surprised you guys have me up here. But painting, I can get my thoughts out. It's well thought out. I can take my time to develop something that brings me joy. And it's just, I'm just happy that people find joy in my pieces. So you're working in multiple, like I see the, the sort of visual, I see there's a sculpture dynamic. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, so since I 
since I build my own reference images, like um, uh, you know who Nipsey Hussle was, right? Yes. So when this guy died, everybody ran out and made these paintings of him. When I, I didn't, I don't like profiting off of people's pain or just that as soon as it happens, they're like, oh, I'm gonna make a T-shirt, I'm gonna do this. But everybody ran out and went to the internet and grabbed these certain images. It was mm -hmm. the same images over again, but it was another artist, another photographer's representation. But it was their lighting, their composition. Everything was in this photograph. You're just taking it and painting it. You might put your own pizzazz to it, and that's it. What I do, I build an actual 3D sculpture in 3D space. I control the lighting, the ca camera aspects, everything. That way I could control the composition of everything I want to do. So that I could, that's why my pieces have so much more dimension to it. It's a little more tedious, but I've been doing it for 20 years, so it's like second nature. It's like a ch watching a child play a video game. I'm not thinking about it. It's like A, B, A, B, boom, boom, I got it. Yeah. So to get to this point where I can produce things, like even a 3D sculptural model or something like that, it's just another aspect of me that I choose to express myself. Like I got a CNC machine downstairs, I still have a hook up, and I can't <laughs> wait because I can do large pieces out of wood, and I'm just really excited about that. That's gonna be it's gonna be fire. Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a hiding around the city. It's gonna be a gigantic panda just sitting like what the. And I'm like <laughs> this is gonna be awesome. This is gonna be da 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 stuff like boom. Like, who put this dog here? I'm like yeah. And just leave it out there for people to find. It's just it's the most exciting part of my day. I, I remember initially I didn't have any reference image of you until we did the video inter the Zoom interview, and there was like just an image of one of your your pieces. Mm -hmm. That was your image online. Oh yeah, I never showed my face for the first five years I was painting. Yeah. I didn't think what I looked like mattered. Um, as artists until so many people that were collecting my work wanted to make sure I was a black artist. They wanted to verify that, okay, this you are a black artist, so I reluctantly started showing my face. But I never thought what I look like should matter. The work should stand on its own. That's that's the thing that I kinda dabble with too, and I'm asked like, how do you keep you in what you're doing? and like doing it more overtly. And I, and I say that in this way. I'm talking to you intentionally, because I, I was like, this is, this is a guy in my network, I like his work, I like what he does, all of this, and you know, we're kind of boys. And, it, and it's one of those things. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's baked in of who I'm naturally gravitating toward. Okay. And I think there's a lot of me in what I do, but I'm told that you need to be more out there. It's an image of you, an, an artistic rendering of you as your logo. Why not a picture of you? I, I shy away from that. Yeah, yeah. It's it just, I, I like my privacy. Like the, on Sunday, there's a farmer's market up here. And if I were just, I take these glasses off and I just wear regular clothes and nobody sees the glasses, I won't get noticed and people leave me alone. Yeah. But if I have my glasses on, like, cute, and they want to talk and I try to help everybody out. I just want to buy some farmer's market stuff. I don't, I'd much rather have the fortune. You can keep the fame. I don't it the best thing about being anonymous when I first started painting I could go to a gallery showing and people be looking at my artwork and they would give you your give you the honest opinion as soon as they find out you're the artist oh they might oh this is blah 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 mm -mm. to hear somebody's honest opinion and not know you're the artist is the best thing ever mm -hmm. and I love that I love that I, I remember this is ridiculous and it shows my uncouthness but I remember I went to um a famous museum, I'm not gonna say where, because it'll definitely say where what it is, but 
I remember going in there and I saw this work and I didn't know the artist was behind me. My partner told me yeah. that someone's behind you as you're saying this. I'm just riffing. I was like, man, these are like a bunch of Wakanda robes. That's literally <laughs> what I said. And my girl's like, did the guy, the, the artist reply or he laughed? He snickered and walked away. <laughs> And then I looked through the, the whole, like, who's this person's word? I was like, oh, that was the dude. <laughs> no, but I, I'd much rather hear somebody's honest opinion. Yeah. When you're famous, you don't know who's truly uh, there to benefit you or benefit themselves. Mm. So I, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. So I got this question. This is a relatively new question. Um, like yeah, I always refresh them, but this one is just a new way of thinking. So I know that a lot of people who are creatives who take on an artistic pursuit kind of have a weird relationship with the term artist. Mm-hmm. What is your relationship with that term? How did you feel when you started using it or if you use it? Because some people don't use it at all. I, I don't, unless somebody brings the, the problem to me. I never had a problem with it. It was just a title. Uh, I would do it if I didn't have the title. I could be a, I could be a, a craftsperson. I don't care as long as I can produce. Okay. Like, it doesn't make a difference to me. Like if I'm out there working on a um, building a 3D printer or I'm engineering something, then I get the title of that. But it's just a title. As long as I'm able to produce what I want to produce, I could care less. Mm. Like if you like call me a black artist and then, oh you're limiting me to like mm, I'm okay with that. It doesn't. I'm not gonna get too upset about that. Just, it is what it is. The only time that I get a, that I get annoyed, I think a lot of times is when how, how we see ourselves, right? Like you were saying, you're like, I'm gonna do it regardless of mm-hmm. what one calls me. There's been times, it's like, you're an influencer. I was like, mm. <laughs> I, 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 it's all side eye. But, is, but isn't, it, isn't it on you to accept that title? I mean, if somebody calls me out my name, something mm-hmm. derogatory, yeah. it's on me to accept what they're giving me. If they're throwing it at me, and like, oh, didn't hit me. I, 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 call me whatever you want. Oh, I hate your shoes. I don't like the way you dress. Like, oh, I don't, I don't <laughs> care. You, you, you look weird. Your mother dresses you funny, that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, but if I'm having fun, I'm out there playing. Dude, I think people put titles on you to like, control you or control your narrative. Mm-hmm. So... The very moment I start living my life the way I want to live, oh, oh you should wear this. Like, no, I shouldn't. Yeah. Like, I want. To, I'm happy. So anybody coming outside trying to disturb that happiness or try to put a label on me, eh, they could try. I, I try to do this. Like, I I do still get caught on that a little bit. I I don't like the influencer thing because I was like, I don't know if that fits. However. When folks come to me, especially folks that have been on the podcast and have some sort of like experience or know me to a degree, they'll you know describe like you remind me of this or you're doing this, and I kind of take that in mm. as opposed to like not necessarily taking it in a negative way, just like oh okay that's how you perceive it, but I still going to continue doing my thing well, because a, it makes me happy. Well, I had somebody uh, a critic tell me all what all he ever does is black and white. Like, no, I don't. You just. This is what you see. Majority of my pieces, most people will never see. That's a something I'm gonna keep. I have my son, and my son, uh, if, if something ever happens to me, he has a little collection of pieces that I've done that no one else, else gets to see. But maybe it could benefit him one day, and that's all I want. It's almost like the uh, the, the the Prince Vault. 
Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Downstairs in the basement is kind of sweet. <laughs> Creepy, but it's kind of sweet. It has some things that, that people won't see. Yeah. You have an art vault in your basement. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's, it's, it's nice. <laughs> um, so you, you were touching on your love of Baltimore earlier. Yes. Let's let's talk about Baltimore, like being a, a transplant coming in here, sort of that trajectory and the community. Talk about just your feelings on that. Expand on your, your relationship with Baltimore and being an artist here. The Baltimore art scene has been the most welcoming art scene I've ever been a part of. I tried DC, I tried Virginia, and it's very cliquish. Mm. It's about who you know, how much money you make, and that's the situation. And it took me forever to try to break in and try to get people to respect me as an artist in um, DC. But I came to Baltimore, they were welcoming. Hey, this is what's going on, this is what's happening. You have people like uh, Liz and Brian down the street They're, they keep you going. Help Bromo, Kurt, and those guys there. They've, I think I had, last week I had three solo shows going on at the same time in Baltimore. And a, a few months before I had another three solo shows and a bunch of work just spread across the city and I'm just thankful for it. I mean, the fact that people are willing to display my work and I didn't have that in Virginia or stuff like that, it's like, it's overwhelming. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful. I think I've gotten better. <laughs> Maybe I was crap then. I don't think so, but it's just trying to get people to listen and it's nobody wants to hear. So anytime a young person comes to me, like, this is the website I use, these are programs I use, these are the paints I use, I give the information freely. I, I don't like hoarding information. And the biggest problem I see in this area is the lack of unity. Mm -hmm. The lack of unity. And then just show somebody else, like, hey, this person you might want to contact and help somebody else along. You never know. Yeah. It could actually change somebody's life. I think, I think that's important, like, when it comes to sort of that, the storytelling component, like, this is going to sound so ridiculous, but the way I just have been describing the podcast as, like, a continuing collaborative art project, it's like, it's just a brush, a brush stroke, each interview is a brush stroke, mm -hmm. and I don't know when, what it's going to look like when it's finished, but I'm still approaching that, right? So when I do these interviews and I'm trying to maybe tap into someone that for whatever reason I couldn't get through to. It's like, how can I collaborate? But I think trying to be out there, you know, like being out there sharing. So a lot of times folks will come to me, how do I do this? How do I record this? Yeah. What gear should I yeah. get? Yeah. Exactly. And to your, to your point, I do the same thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm here to share this. There's no gatekeeping on it. It's like, you're going to do your thing. I have noticed that in Baltimore though. <laughs> Baltimore has a lot of gatekeepers that make it very difficult just for artists or people, creative people to, to shine. Because they're gatekeepers, they're choosing and picking the winners and losers regardless of what the people feel and what the work actually represents. And that's the only problem. But I think you have that anywhere. Yeah. The, the emperor say, those in power are in fear to lose it. <laughs> that's, that's 100%. And, you know, when I, and I do this going back to sort of what considerations I'm making, it's like, all right, I'm looking at underrepresented people first. That's that's kind of like the first yeah, people I'm yeah. looking for. And it's it's an invitation, really, for folks that they're checking it out and they're listening to it. I would love to learn more about this person. That's why at the end, I'm like, shout your thing out so folks mm -hmm. know where to check your stuff out. And I don't look for it as much, but early on, checking into sort of, and maybe that 2021 time frame, checking into like, 
what is the sort of impact? What is the value? And I would hear like, yo, someone bought work for me and they heard about me on your podcast. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, then that's a good byproduct. I'm not pitching that to you. I'm doing this. That's not what it's there for. But if that is happening, that, that makes me feel really good. That mentality of I'm doing this, and I, I, that's never been that type of Now, if you ask me a direct question, what shows I have coming up, mm -hmm. I'll tell you. But I don't need to brag to people about what I have going on. I, the endorphins I get from art just doing it is satisfactory enough. When I first started painting, I used to give the paintings away. Mm -hmm. I had an apartment in Northern Virginia where I filled the whole place up with paintings that I had to move around. So I used to go to the streets in D.C. and hang them on the streets. Like on a Friday or Saturday night, if you found them, you got to keep them. Nice. Just to clear out room so I could get more stuff out. So to have a situation where I'm bragging about what I got on, mm -mm. Is there a visual element that you think back to putting your work out there you know, maybe in the streets of D.C. Because it, it reminds me of an artist I interviewed. Um, and Actually, two different people. One was the designer, um, Vinnie Hager, and the other one was Reed Beemore. And you would see their work, like, around, and it's like, mm -hmm. I'm doing the drop, bro. If you want to pick it up in this alley, it's literally right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Is, is there any technique or imagery? Because obviously you've gotten so, so much better from when you started, right? Mm -hmm. Is there a, 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 a technique or like imagery that you still like, I, I really want to get that in here in this current work. I really want to keep returning to that. I know for some people, like I listened to the, um, the audio book about Questlove. He's like, everything is always circles. Mm -hmm. He's like, drums, time, everything is a circle, and I just keep returning to that sort of visual component. Is there something that you always return to? That, like, I want to have this in there. Not off the top of my head. I never know from day to day what I'm going to do. Mm. I'll find something like, oh, I like this, and I want to explore a little bit further. But it's like, Having sex is like, dude. I don't want the same position all the time. I need to switch it up. It's like, you, you're like, oh, we've been doing this for the last four years. Like, no, 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 no. We got. I'm, I'm all for missionary, but <laughs> so to say, like, to lock me down, like, nah, nah, nah. I, I, I need variety. Sometimes you got to hang from a chandelier. Oh, one hundred percent. Just hope for the best, you know. I, I, I don't know what how much time I have left on this earth, but I want to try as much as things of humanly possible. So if I want to do sculpture, paint, um, CNC machining, 3D printing, I want to try it all. I want to, uh, so to, to say, like I have three other art styles I'm working on right now, but I haven't finalized them yet. Mm -hmm. But I'm always looking. I, I just, I would, when I was making a commentary about talking about my art is my relationship, it's like coming home to your favorite person and want to cook them something different every single time just to make them happy. Yeah. So I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn how to make doubles. I'm going to learn how to make this certain type of uh, brisket, smoked brisket. Just do all that extra love yeah. and care. And just that's what I do. It's like I want, that's what I'm more attracted to. The loving care I would give to a normal person, I give to my art. And the only thing about it is that she reciprocates. She allows me to travel. She gives me money. And hell, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that more than saying, well, I have a, a set style. No, whatever she wants to do that night, I'm down. <laughs> I, I, I look at it like, you know, almost like riding that wave, uh, that creative wave. And I'm trying to see that sort of 
vision, once I start visualizing how mm-hmm. something could look in the long, along the path, I'm like, I got to go after it now. I got to, I got to see it to its fruition. And, you know, I think, you know, being folks that look like us, not that look like us, but mm-hmm. that, you know, are, are, are ilk, if you will, because, you know, uh, <laughs> it, it makes me think of people who, who are like kind of like polymaths. It's like you're doing multiple different disciplines mm-hmm. and then you have people, you're doing too much. Yeah, because they're not doing enough. Boom. Boom. That's, that's the biggest problem. Like, I would, if I had the weekend to myself, I could knock out maybe four or five paintings and maybe two sculptures. I might smell like hot hell because I had to take a bath that day. <laughs> but I'll, I'll be in the happiest mode. And what I like about this field is your skill as a modeler, painter, whatever, will only take you so far. Mm-hmm. Your genius comes in when you're tired and you're just playing around and you see something you didn't see before. It's like, and you'll step back and look at it. Because like, I wasn't thinking of it consciously. It just came about. I like the genius moments. My skill will get me to a certain point. Don't get me wrong, because I can paint, and I can do this and that. But your genius come in when you're constantly doing it in that realm of just constantly doing it, and you'll see something you haven't seen before. And you have a new style, a new thing that grows from that. And it's not conscious. It's a non-conscious thing. And I love those moments. So I make it fertile for me to do it all the time. That I'm like, hey. Time again. Time again. <laughs> I like to, I had, I had this question, uh, I used to call it the, Magui- the MacGyver question, where every now and again, I think in the back of my head, maybe it's an innate thing, but I'll forget something that I absolutely need to record. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then it's You'll just like. Jimmy rigs something together. And I'll figure it out. And it's like, okay, now I know how to do that. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It just keeps yeah. me sharp in that way. And I think it's just something about that of, of being curious and then already having that baseline of, at a minimum, mm-hmm. I know how to record audio, you know what yeah. I mean? And then from there, it's like, well, I can kind of make this into a boom mic. All right, yeah, I got some chicken wire. Yeah, I can yeah, exactly. That out. <laughs> but it, it, they, they are the sweetest fruit when you actually get those moments and like you make something happen from nothing that you weren't planning on and just flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah, they're the best. So, see. Um, I got one last real question for you. Okay. And you know you got the rapid fire questions coming, so that's gonna be great. Um, um, how has your art fostered meaningful conversations? Like, you know, we, we do what we do and we're trying to start something, right? Um, at, at times, it may be baked in, it may be overt, it may be indirect. Um, when I'm doing this, I want folks to like look at creativity in a broader sense to be, inclusive of communities that don't get those opportunities at times or I wanted to show Baltimore's creativity in a better light because there was just one narrative that was the most common narrative so if at all because that it may be another thing I'm not doing this for that purpose mm-hmm. but how, how has your work been like sort of in those conversations and having sort of meaningful conversations with the art community or the black art community here in Baltimore um, I would like to say it's been Robust it hasn't. I have um, very little friends here to actually know who I am personally. There's truly no first name basis. First, <laughs> first name basis. If you can't name either me or either one of my kids, you really don't know me because they're they're everything. So when I, people do have conversation about my art, I do find it fascinating because they really don't know me personally. And they have an idea of what I'm about and stuff like that. But everybody makes a story about what they think I am. 
and most likely this wrong, I'm a pretty quiet person. And if it wasn't for my art, I would not have these events and things I've been going to and forcing me to be out in the public eye. So, again, being anonymous or not having people know who I am, those conversations, if hear people talk about my work will not be being around. I value more than people knowing me that I'm the artist and this is what it is. If I had to hopefully give back, I want to do a series of sculptures with kids. I have this idea that I've been shopping around that I was going to make these molds, giant, pretty much Play-Doh molds for kids, and they'd be able to press down and make these molds and do a whole art series to give the people, the young people in this area, hopefully the same type of release and satisfaction I get from doing art. And to produce something really good off the bat, you're hooking them at a young age to produce and create things and to have the confidence to do that. And I guess that would be my overall goal or conversation I would like to have, to produce a group of people that create art without abandon and just want to do that all the time because it's relaxing. It's no different than watching, playing a video game and getting the same joy of beating a level. Yeah. I want that same thing for art. It's great. And thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I, was going, I was thinking a second ago, like, yeah, these are people that know you with the glasses and without the glasses. No, no. <laughs> There's very few, few people know me without the glasses, and um, I like it that way. To, to walk around, like, I'll go to Lexington Market and sit there and just sketch people all day long. And just, mm. I did that yesterday after work. And it was, it was very relaxing. But every once in a while, I'll say, hey, I know who you are. I'm like, oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> no, 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 that ain't, that ain't true. And like if I now if I start selling uh, paintings for fifty thousand dollars, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't come out as much. I, I Most like I'll put bars in front of my window too. That's great. <laughs> I haven't gotten like 100% there because you know I had that I'm a noticeable individual I'm a large guy and uh -huh. it's just like they're like that's quirk no no that's Rob that's, yeah <laughs> that's and um, you know sometimes just the reaction of people saying they, they dig what I'm doing and I'm just oh, I appreciate a, a, that. A, a humble podcaster you know what yeah, I mean and I appreciate that it's it's really cool um, but at the same time it's just like you almost feel like you have to be on to a degree too. I don't like that one thing I, I thought was disturbing about um, Salvador Dale he always had to be on mm -hmm. and I would hate that life and to perform for people to be constantly in a can you just just chill out for a day mm -hmm. without somebody just I don't want that life I yeah. much rather hope my work takes off but that life of being a an influence or or somebody who just has that type of influence over people's mind without really doing anything bothers me. Mm -hmm. I influence people because what I'm pretty. I influence people because they like the way I dress. I much rather influence people what my art can do and how they make them feel. I substance. Yeah. I hope I can produce work of substance. It's a good place for us to start. That was kind of like the best place for us to stop on the okay. real questions actually. Hmm. So now I got I got four rapid fire questions for you. Shoot. All right, first one is the softball. Okay. But it's, it's a tough question for an artist, though, sometimes. Okay. What is your favorite color? See? Uh, <laughs> I asked it in that way to make it sound more pretentious. Red. 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 Okay. Black and white is not color, they're hues. 
So, so you got it. <laughs> what is a hobby or interest people might be surprised about that, that you have? Oh, I want to get into Arduino and programming. I have Say a, more. <laughs> I, well, um, since I do 3D printing, I've developed a, um, a solar panel array and also a hydroponic system that all runs off Arduino. And I'm slowly teaching myself basic programming to run these machines that I want. Ever since I was a kid, I was always interested in taking things apart and things yeah. of that nature. So I constantly build all the time. So if I need a, um, a bracket for the hanging my art on the wall, I'll 3D print it. Yeah. I'll design it myself. Or like if you ever look out my fence, my fence outside has these clips that I designed to just hot, hold cedar planks up there because it's all wrought iron. Yeah. But it wasn't, it was, didn't exist. I invented it and just made it happen. So I love that type of tinkering. So you just have Westworld in your basement. Yeah, I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have me a, like a, a mech robot. I'm gonna Look, come outside like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm gonna be real tight when you're like, I made a copy of Rob out of like. <laughs> um, if you could have dinner with one historical figure, who would the figure be, and what would you eat? One his one historical figure. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I know. Uh, I'm a most likely to regret this statement. Oh, um, Norman Rockwell. Okay. I, I, I thought, talked about him earlier, but I thought his work was so fascinating. And I think when I got maybe in a third grade, I found out he died, and it just bothered me to know so, I wanted to sit and just talk with him. And if I had a choice to make him something, I would want to cook it. I, I don't want to go out. I would make him crispy salmon with mashed potato crab meat. That sounds delicious. It is really good. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very like Chesapeake area. No, it just is the food. And I, uh, yeah. It's a cliche that black people like salmon, which we do. I think a piece <laughs> of salmon fish. Just a salmon and the mashed potato crab meat and just talk to him and see what he thought about some of his paintings he did and things of that nature. Because that was like him and a few people were like my idol growing up as a child. And I had to pick one, it would be him. It's good. Um, this is the last one I got for you. What is your most memorable travel experience? It could be national, international, it could be to West Baltimore because apparently that's a different part of the world. Rememberable, like in art-wise? Um, art-wise or even personal, like just something that really sticks out, like it could have been the furthest you've ever traveled or... I was going to Puerto Rico. I'm I was dating a girl at the time. That didn't last, but my love for Puerto Rico was like, oh my God, it just... I was barefooted the entire time. I stayed at the beach. I fished. I had pinto, um, pinchos, like these little sandwiches and stuff they would sell on the side of the road. And I fell in love with the island. I, I got as dark as your bag, and I felt just beautiful yeah. all the time. And if I didn't get married, that was my plan to go to Puerto Rico and just live and paint my life away and fish. That's all I wanted to do. That's, that's a vibe right there, actually. <laughs> It, just, it was just, at, I was at peace. And like There was mangoes and avocado on the ground you could just pick up and just like, oh, eat this, just rinse it off. It was nothing wrong with it. Yeah. It was just the abundance sometimes there and how beautiful it can be sometimes was just amazing. Damn, that's, that's great. That's a good visual to kind of like oh, end yeah. on there. Yeah. Um, 
So, one, I want to thank you for being on this podcast oh, yet again. In. It's always a pleasure. And thank you for inviting us in your, in, into your space yeah, you. to do this. Um, and in these final moments, I want to um, give you the space to uh, share with the uh, listeners, little watchers, the viewers, mm-hmm. uh, where they can check out more about your work, social media, website, all of that okay. good stuff. Well, um, you can reach me at uh, qrcky.net and um, on all social medias, qrcky. But right now I have a solo show going on at Bromo Towers right down the street on Utah Street. Also have a, another solo show on Charles Street at Zen in the City. And I'm pretty much all around the city if you want to see some of my work. And if you want to go to Atlanta, I have work there too. And uh, feel free to come to the studio, appointment only. <laughs> <laughs> appointment only if you're interested in my work. Well, there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Quirky for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, community in and around Baltimore. You've just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.